0: Uh, We reached a plateau, I want to say, four properties on the residential A side uh, for lending. And the thought was, again, this this became addictive because, again, I only thought I'm going to buy one or two, have a bit of cash flow. That's it. I'm done. I fulfill my 30-year commitment to the police department. And that's it. Well, it became addictive. So we bought four and then... Essentially, I tapped out with respect to being able to qualify for more residential mortgages uh,
1: on a debt, debt service level. You are listening to the Savvy Real Estate Investor Show, the podcast dedicated to empowering you to invest for your family's future. Listen in to learn about different strategies successful investors use to live their best lives. Whether you are starting out on your real estate wealth building journey or a seasoned investor looking for the next unfair advantage, this is the show for you. Each conversation will help you be more savvy when it comes to understanding how to leverage real estate to achieve your goals and live an extraordinary life. Your host is none other than seasoned investors and power couple, Jose and Khadija Jafferji, founders of the Savvy Real Estate Group, where we have been helping passive investors grow their wealth and getting them one step closer to financial freedom since 2008.
2: Hey, fellow savvy real estate investors. Thanks for tuning in. We have Adrian Pinozo on the show today. And this is a conversation that's just up our alley. We love talking about, uh, you know, acquiring lots of units. And um, Adrian brings some Awesome skills to the table, especially because, again, like we love this stuff. He is, they are a vertically integrated company. And I love to hear from people who are doing it all from the acquisitions to the in house property management to the construction management. Um, Because, you know, real estate is not just unifaceted. Yes, you can sort of delegate certain things. However, um, people who have been in the trenches doing all of it can bring so much insight to various parts of this business. And so I'm really excited to talk to Adrian about that. So, To give you a quick bio, and I I never do a good enough job. I find people do a better job talking about themselves. But um, Adrian is actually a retired police officer. However, he's been in the real estate game for over a decade now. He is the CEO and the owner of Executive uh, Properties Capital. And he also owns a construction company as well as an in-house property management company. So um, they have accumulated over 400 units over the last 10 years, primarily focused in the Hamilton, Ontario market um, through the joint venture model. And um, yeah, we're, we're really excited to talk to him about what he's been up to and um, some conversations hopefully about the market conditions and what they're doing right now to to navigate and uh, mitigate risk. So thank you, Adrian, for being on the show. Uh, maybe you can give us a quick introduction and tell us uh, our listeners a little bit about uh, your history and uh, what you guys are up to.
0: Yeah, awesome. Well, first and foremost, thanks for thanks for having me on the show. It's always great to uh, share my story and you know if i can give any little tidbits of advice information or people can learn something from you know the 35 or 40 minutes we're together today then it's a win-win and it's all about um yeah helping everybody out in the industry as well so um i guess taking it from the beginning like you mentioned um uh, i was a police officer in the gta uh I completed 21 years of service, um, and it was probably about um, 10 years in my career that um, the light bulb went off, and I started thinking, um, so I have 10 years on the job, and I started thinking, when the day comes that I eventually put in my 30 years and then get to my full pension, you know, what am I going to to do to live the same lifestyle, even though I'm going to be on a pension, a reduced income, but I, I want to be able to live the same lifestyle. So I thought that um, having you know one to two rental properties that produced positive cash flow would able to subsidize the shortfall of being on pension, and then I could use that couple property cash flow coming in. Um, to essentially live the same lifestyle. So that was the reason why I started 11 years ago. Sorry. Um, and um, I was buying uh, my first two properties were multifamilies. Well, my first one was the duplex. And then a second one was a triplex. And um, I started with a home equity line of credit. And for anybody listening out there, i um, I really, really encourage you to leverage that equity you have in your home to get into the game, because that's how I got into the game. Um, I didn't have any money in the bank. Um, although I had a decent job, I was young, you know, I had a young family, my wife worked full time, you know, we were, we didn't have any substantial savings at the end of the day. But what we did have was equity in our home. And I leveraged that equity in my home in order to get started because, again, I didn't have that kind of money to put a down payment down on a house and whatnot, Just just I didn't have it. So I really, really encourage everybody to wake up that sleeping money, that equity you have in your home and move forward with that. But anyhow, uh, so that's, that's how I got started. And um, uh, we reached a plateau, I want to say, you know, four properties on the residential A side uh, for lending. And um, the thought was, again, this, this became addictive because, again, I only thought I'm going to buy one or two, have a bit of cash flow, that's it, I'm done. I fulfill my 30-year commitment to the police department, and that's it. Well, it became addictive, so we bought four Um, And then essentially I tapped out with respect to being able to qualify for more residential mortgages uh, on a debt, debt service level. Um, So I was either having to go to the B side lending or some other alternative ways to continue investing in real estate, because things were going well. We had four under our belt, we're cash flowing, you know, everything was going, everything was going great. So we then transitioned to Joint venture partnerships, and uh, obviously that was a was a I guess a tool we used, an avenue we used in order to continue to be able to buy uh, residential multifamily properties, and that went well, um, and our portfolio continued to grow in. Uh, and predominantly Hamilton utilizing the joint venture partnerships uh, which ultimately led me to leave the police department retire early after 21 years as opposed to my 30 um, in 2017. so in 20 so that was six years ago. Um, I left I retired early from the police department. And really focused on um, becoming a full-time real estate investor, still doing uh, joint venture partnerships. And from there, um, essentially, once I really was able to dedicate um, my full attention uh, to being a full-time real estate investor, um, it just went Sky's high, it just really blew up from 2017 onwards. Um, to the point now, you know, 11 years later, um, we own 83 properties and 415 units. Um, which again, rewind I want to own one or two properties for some cash flow, we now own, you know, 83. Yeah, uh. And most of those, like I said, are in the joint venture partnership space. Um, so we own, you know, obviously percentages of all those properties that are producing cash flow and whatnot. Um, which brings me to, you know, once we really scaled and, and things were going really, really well and growing, you know, the light bulb went off um, and we started our own property management company to just really provide those services to our properties um, that we own with our joint venture partners. And um, uh, for those of you who are familiar, basically all we're doing uh, within the last call it seven years is buying distressed properties and incorporating the Burr strategy, the buy, renovate, refinance, rent, and repeat, um, incorporating the Burr strategy, So because we're doing all these renovations and we're buying all these distressed homes and buildings, you know, we thought, why not have our own construction company and keep basically um, my thought process was like Costco. We have everything under one roof is what I was envisioning. We have the construction component. We have the property management. You know, we have the investment as far as we're responsible for running numbers, and we're attracting a lot of joint venture partners um, with this model, which ultimately uh, uh, helped us scale as well to the size that we are today. Um, which I, you know, for people out there that are listening, you know, I, I never, uh, I never thought in a million years that you know, ten years down the road, I, I don't. 83 properties and 415 units. I just didn't think, I never thought of it. Didn't it happen, yes. Um, there's a lot of hard work, um, a lot of ups and downs. It wasn't all roses, I can definitely tell you that. Um, but overall, it's been it's been a great ride, a great experience, I've learned a lot. And what I like about it too is that, you know, I was in the trenches when I started I was doing everything myself. I didn't have this company or that company. I was dealing with tenants and I was showing my own apartments and I was dealing with my own, you know, even lawn maintenance in the summer. I was running around with a lawnmower in my trunk, cutting all the grass of my properties and everything. So I've gotten my hands dirty and I've, I've done it all myself. Obviously, we're on a different scale now, but I share that with everybody because I want to say this if I can do this and I don't have a business degree, you know, a financial degree in, in business to grow and scale this and these group of companies. So if I can do it, anyone can do it.
3: Absolutely. Yeah, no, that's uh, such a great story. We appreciate you sharing that uh, a very inspirational Um so uh, I wanted to ask you about, um, you know, uh, what type of, what does your portfolio consist of? Uh, is it mostly all multifamilies and, and you know, do you have a sort of, um, would you buy triplexes and fourplexes or are you now buying larger, a mixture of both? Uh, how, how does, what does the portfolio look like?
0: Yeah. So we only invest in multifamilies. Uh, we don't have any single family homes or condos, for example. Not that there's anything wrong with that yeah. in our portfolio. Um, I the, the smallest building we have is a triplex, and the biggest one we have is um, 47 unit, purpose built, um, and everything in between. We have some uh, sixplexes, eight, 15 units, 12 units. 20 units um, fourplexes obviously um, yeah so everything from a triplex to 47 units and everything in between is what we have in our portfolio
3: And you know having gone through all of this um, what would you say is is there a sweet spot for maybe you know a size of property and uh, you know if you could buy more of the same type maybe specific size, is is bigger uh, always makes it easier to manage and better would you say or uh you know uh a four unit still works
0: the four units still work um obviously if you're looking at the scale having you know 20 units in one building um typically it's easier to handle um and i've come to learn that over the last couple of years when we've been focusing more on the you know 10 20 30 unit buildings Um, renovations on the purpose-built are typically easier and quicker they're really generally only cosmetic Uh, you know, new floors, new kitchen new bathroom, paint, trim couple new lights and we're done Um, on the older, older, you know triplexes and fourplexes that, you know these are 80-year-old homes um, the renovations are a lot more intense um you know you're dealing with opening up walls maybe they're load-bearing walls then you're into our you know structural engineers you're into permits with the city and we all know how fast the city moves with permits yeah pretty well backwards especially hamilton <laughs> especially hamilton so um renovations are a little bit more you know, costly, a little bit more, um, you better have some decent experience and some decent people working for you because they could go sideways pretty quick. On the apartment building stuff, you know, the cookie cutter units, you know, typically when a tenant vacates, we're in and out of those units in 30 days uh, and onto the next unit and onto the next unit. Um, the tries and the quads these older ones that are you know distressed and they're still all plaster and lath and knob and tube wiring and everything like that obviously those are a little bit you know require a lot more supervision a lot more work not to say that you can't make the numbers work it's just a different it's a different animal
3: absolutely we find it the same way that we find our buildings are much easier to manage and and pretty much you you typically only have like two different layouts right you have a two bedroom and a one bedroom um in most cases and and you know you know how you know how much uh, square footage each one is and how much materials you're going to use so it makes the uh, the renovations much easier quicker uh, and yeah you're not getting into the plumbing and um uh, and the stuff. hvac and all that yeah
2: yeah, yeah for sure yeah, so maybe talk to us a little bit about your choice of uh, business model with joint ventures. I know that in today's, uh, you know, we were just talking about it yesterday. There's all these new people uh, popping up with like REITs and funds and all this kind of stuff. Um, how do you feel about that sort of a more of a syndication model or more of a REIT model versus going with a scaling up with a joint venture model? And talk to us about why you continue to do that.
0: Well, a lot of people find yeah, I guess a lot of smaller um, or more personal people find greater comfort in a JV model that they're working one-on-one with me. Yep. As opposed to you're investing in a REIT you know, uh, or a GPLP structure, you're putting your however much it is in and you essentially don't have a say. And there's nothing wrong with the GPLP model or REITs as well absolutely nothing wrong with them. It's all your preference, right? But obviously in the GPLP, you don't have a say what building they're buying. You know what I mean? All you do is, you know, you typically have your guaranteed rate of return on your money. And other than that, you don't have much of a say in anything else. The JV structure is a little simpler. It's a little bit more personable with JV partners. You know, they do have a say, for example, in what we buy. They have the final say you know we'll present them a project and say hey this fits your budget of as far as what kind of capital you have to invest in and you know if they're happy with the numbers and they're happy with the building or or the location and everything like that they have the final say let's pull the trigger on this Adrian okay um, and I, you know most of the investors I work like to have that personal, One on one communication and have a say in things, um, you know, along the way, so to speak. And that's, you know, something that we offer in the JV structure. So it works. Um, We still obviously carry out everything from step one to step 10. They're passive, they're bringing capital to the table, but obviously we're executing. Uh, everything from step one to step 10 and keeping them apprised along the way. But ultimately they have a saying, what we buy.
3: Right. Yeah.
0: So I find it works and it's peace of mind for them. It was also part of the reason why we started all these in-house companies, just to give the investor peace of mind to say, you're dealing with me and my people, me and my people. Um, as opposed to, um, you know, Hey, I have to go on to Gigi and find a contractor. We don't do that. It's all yeah, exactly. house, our people, peace of mind, security that we're not working with fly by night, you know, companies or something like that.
3: Right. Yeah. Great point. Yeah. And and uh, what would you say is like one of the, the best tips for building a relationship with new investors? Again, how have you been able to grow your investor database? Um, obviously you've scaled up to be, you know, over 400 units. So you must have a a strong database and and strong uh, network to be able to uh, scale this fast.
0: I think it's, you know, as if you're looking to attract people to work with you, I think you have to obviously earn their trust. You know, how do you earn their trust? Well, you have to you have to have first of all experience in that space examples numbers previous projects results and obviously those statistics to earn their trust so they want to work with you and you know invest with you and be your jv partner if it's your first rodeo and you haven't done Something like that before, you're probably going to be a little hard pressed to get, you know, a stranger essentially to to partner with you in a JV platform. You, I would suggest then you have to lean on um, family or close friends that you know already know you're a great guy and trust you as far as if you say you're going to do this, you're going to do it. And they still may be somewhat, you know, skeptical. But if you have the the track record, the proven results, and that that comes in time so how do you get your break
3: yeah.
0: i would say to lean on your immediate friends and family your close circle uh to get your break because if you came to me and i had five hundred thousand to invest and i'm gonna ask you <clears throat> how many times have you done this before do you have some previous projects do you have referrals what's your level of experience and on and on. And if you can't answer those questions, then why am I going to part with my 500,000, for example, and be your JV partner and I'm bringing all the money yet you don't have any experience. Um, So experience and credibility is, is obviously a really, really big factor in all of this.
3: Yeah.
2: Yeah. And um, maybe talk to us a little bit about, your deal selection, and how you're finding deals. Obviously, um, many investors will say, you know, the money is made in the buy as well. Uh, Buying the right properties in the right locations at the right price is such an important factor as well. And, um, you know, yes, you have to have the investor in place who's willing to work with you, but you also have to have the deal, right? Like, you know, like Stefan Arno used to say money people deal, right? Like that's the trifecta of making a good investment work. So, uh, we talked a little bit about the money part and how you're bringing money to the table. How are you sourcing deals? And, uh, you know, what is your criteria in order to say that something is a good deal? Is it something that, um, you know, has a certain level of discount for market value or a certain value add component? Like what is it that is your criteria to, to, to find these deals and where are you getting them?
0: It's all about the numbers. (laughs) Well, first off, where we get our deals. A lot of our deals that over the years I've made some really, really good connections with wholesalers. And, you know, especially in the bigger acquisitions and whatnot, a lot of those deals that I've traditionally brought to the table to my investors are all off market. Um, They come across my desk by, you know, a wholesaler. And, they bring it to my attention. And then from there, so that's probably, you know, 70% of our deals are, are off market. <clears throat> um, and then from there, uh, it's really just about the numbers. And if if you don't know how to run your numbers, I really suggest you work with a mentor, a coach, a JV partner, somebody that can help you run those numbers at a high level and make you know, make you feel comfortable with them um, if you don't know what you're doing. Um, So what's a great deal? My answer would be a great deal is great numbers. It's that simple. Um, We come across a lot of deals, a lot of deals, but, you know, pardon my French, the numbers are shit. So we don't, we don't act upon them. Um, It's one thing, to, to look at a property, are you running your numbers accurately to be able to feel confident, especially if you're pitching it to somebody or a JV partner or just, you know, yourself? If you want to know that you're running the numbers properly and that if you think it's a good deal, is it really a good deal? And be conservative with your numbers, right? You know, if you're put a buffer there for your construction, if your construction is going to be, you know, 100,000, put a little bit of a contingency, call it 150,000. So you have a bit of a nest egg, you know, in your renos and whatnot. But, um, just to recap, most of our deals are coming off market. We obviously do deals on the open market as well, realtor.ca and whatnot. But like I said, the majority are off market and what's a good deal. A good deal is good numbers.
3: And, you know, with the, with the market, the way it is, it's changed, um, uh, what are you are are you seeing more opportunities right now? What's the landscape looking like for you um, within in terms of the acquisition side? Um,
0: I think now everybody should be in expansion mode. I think there's some amazing deals out there. Definitely buying properties less today than you would have bought two years ago. That's yeah. a no brainer. What am I seeing? I'm seeing the market starting to pick up. Actually, you know, we're slowly getting back into multiple offers. I mean, most realtors that I'm speaking to now are saying now that the spring market is definitely upon us. um, It's not absurd to be in a competition with three to four other offers right now. It's, It's coming back and it's coming back with a vengeance. So if you can make the numbers work today, you know, here's my, my, my parting wisdom with that. If you can make the numbers work today, at the interest rates today, when they come down and they will come down and everybody's saying they will come down, how much, who knows. But when they start to subside and come down, and again, um, inventory is still at an all-time low. Rates come down a bit, inventory stays kind of where it is or whatnot not abundance with inventory, it's gonna shoot property values back up through the roof again. So if you're buying stuff today and the numbers are working today, you're gonna look like a genius, you know, a year and a half from today, for example, when the market completely turns again and it goes up with a vengeance, you're gonna look like a genius. So I'm telling all my clients, all my investors, let we should be in expansion mode right now because when this cycle turns itself around, the prices are gonna go and historically they they shoot up with a vengeance. And again, we're gonna look like a genius. So I think there's great opportunity capitalizing on the purchase price right now. And if if there's even if you're slightly over cash flow neutral and you're slightly cash flow positive. I would do the deal today all day long because it's only going to go up.
3: And the rates are all going to go down.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, are we going to see 2% interest rates again? Probably never. But will they stay where they are today? Everybody's saying no. There'll be some kind of, you know, decrease in the rates, which is going to make prices go shooting sky high again.
3: Yeah. Yeah.
0: And then if you got to get out and and make a profit, then maybe you look at liquidating that investment, you know, potentially a year and a half, two years from now. And again, you're capitalizing on today. You're capitalizing on the buy. You're capitalizing on the buy.
2: Yeah, for sure. So maybe talk to us a little bit about that. Um, What do you envision for the company? I mean, you've already uh, accumulated, you know, a great deal of success, lots of uh, units, uh, buildings. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, it sounds to me like you're just, you're still on this trajectory of wanting to grow and, and, and have some dreams to, to expand the business. So tell us about that. Like, what do you envision for the next five years for yourself and for the business? Do you have any plans of slowing down? Well, I have
0: my, my 23 year old daughter's involved in the business now. So my goal is, you know, maybe to keep pushing hard for the next two to three years, and then, um, you know, essentially take a step back and um, maybe start enjoying the fruits of my labor over the last, you know, 10, 12 years that, I've, you know, in all honesty, I worked my butt off and, and it's okay. I mean, it's worked out, but I think, you know, um, we all get into the real estate investing too for freedom, right? Time freedom, geographical freedom, uh, financial freedom. But I think that freedom is something that I'm about to now really capitalize on. And I want to uh, capitalize on that freedom portion that real estate investing has given me. It's given me the freedom to leave my nine to five. But now I really want to start soon. I want to start enjoying the fruits of my labor too. And, you know, maybe be a snowbird one day and take off down south for a couple of months of the year um, but in the interim, I'd say probably for at least the next three years, my goal is to um, still push hard and um, I still enjoy what I do at the end of the day. And, you know, it's easy. It's, it's great meeting new, new JV partners. I still like analyzing deals. I still love real estate. So I'm not ready yet. Um, that's why I'm saying probably in three years, take a step back.
3: Yeah, I was gonna ask you, like, you know, what kind, what, what does your day typically day day look like? Is it, you know, um, you are talking to investors, analyzing deals, but um, it, what does a day in uh, Adrian's look like? It's busy. I yeah. mean,
0: let's let's call it space. of spade. We got three companies on the go. We probably have twenty people employed across our organization of companies, um, like twenty people on salaries, sort to speak. To facilitate everything that's happening in every company, so as a CEO, obviously you got kind of looking over everything, uh, and above and beyond that, still connecting with JD partners, still nurturing those relationships, um, nurturing um, new deals. I'm still looking at new deals, analyzing new deals, so. Yeah, it's it's definitely a a busy day for Adrian, Um, you know, start to finish, having all that stuff kind of under my umbrella, if you will. Um, But the beauty is, and this is what real estate's given me, if I say today, I'm not, I'm going to get on a plane tomorrow and take off for a week to Florida, I can do that if i say today tomorrow i want to it's going to be i think the cp24 said tomorrow is going to be 27 degrees and full sun and we're only not even halfway through april but if i i want to take advantage of that tomorrow so tomorrow i'm taking the day off and i'm going to my cottage and i'm going to enjoy the 27 degree weather tomorrow in a pair of shorts and flip-flops at my cottage and just work off my laptop. I can do that. Um, And that's what real estate investing has given me. And if it gave me that and I come again, I repeat this because I'm passionate about it. I don't come from a business background. I didn't go to school for business education. I've never run my own company before up until this. Um, So if it's given me that, Real estate can give you that as well.
2: Yeah, no, that's that's awesome. So we always like to ask our guests, um, you know, is there sort of a quote or a book that resonates with you that you think would motivate other people to, you know, do something, take action, or take action? Yeah,
0: I love one of my one of my idols is Grant Cardone, um, and everything he's been able to succeed. And again, he's another story of rags to riches, so to speak, where, yeah. you know, sort of, uh, he was a, a drug drug addict and, you know, started from nothing. Um, but anyways, I love his book, um, be obsessed or be average.
3: Yes. Yeah. yeah.
0: I love that book. Um, and it really resonated with me because if you really, really want something and you really want to go after it, like he says, you got to be obsessed about it, you know, and it'll, it, you can do it, but give it 130% effort. Don't give it 80 or 85, just be obsessed and crush it. And I, and, and I, I've read that book probably twice now, but that I would say, yeah, read that book, be obsessed or be average.
3: Yeah. No, I love Grand Cardone and, and, um, you know, very, very, uh, you know, he's got so much energy and, and he's so passionate. Uh, when I see him on social media and, um, yeah, love love that guy. But he's and been I, able to accomplish, you know, exactly you know,
0: from rags to billions of dollars. This is incredible. I mean, so yeah, that that would be my answer for that.
3: Right, yeah, for sure. And uh, so, just so you, um, um, last question was: your properties and your pro- companies are they, um, are they primarily? I know it's in primarily in Hamilton, but are you expanding that? Uh, location-wise as well?
0: Yeah, so now we're we're expanding. We're looking at where we've actually done uh, St. Catharines. Okay. Uh, we've done a deal in St. Catharines. We've done a deal in um, Welland, Ontario. Um, still kind of in the west end of the city.
3: Yeah.
0: Hamilton, St. Catharines, Welland. Uh, looking at Niagara, definitely as well. Um, but yeah, we're we're expanding in those market centers because I believe in the growth and the what those cities have to offer as well. Uh, so yeah, but I mean, we'll look at any deal. Obviously, most of our structure is set up with our group of companies in the west part of the GTA, uh, as opposed, to, let's say, Oshawa or you know Whitby and stuff like that. Those are great markets too but my infrastructures right now is set up more in the West end of town.
3: Right.
2: Yeah. That makes sense. So yeah, Adrian, thank you for sharing and thank you for coming on the show. If people want to get in touch, uh, what's the best way we'll link it in our show notes as well. Uh, Can you just share that with them?
0: Yeah. So my best, I think the easiest, well, first of all, we're all across social media, executive properties capital is our company that's um, uh, posted all over uh, Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, we're all over the place. Um, You can find us there, send me a DM or um, simply just shoot me an email. My email address is adrian, A-D-R-I-A-N at um, investwithepc.com.
2: Okay, we'll look it in our show notes for sure. So yeah, thank you. Thank you for thank coming to the show. Thank you for uh, sharing your story with us. I'm sure it was inspiring. It's definitely inspiring for us. Uh, you know, just uh, yeah, a decade can change your life really is what it is. Hard work for 10 years. Um, somebody once told me that, like it, it, it's 10 years, not, you can't see progress in three, five years. It's like that 10 year, you know, that 10 year grind where you actually start mm-hmm. to see the fruits of your labor and things kind of really, really change. So thank you. Thank you for sharing. And yeah, um, yeah. Thank you for coming on.
0: Awesome. I'll leave you with one last thing for all your listeners. If I can do it, you can do it. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah.
2: So it's awesome. Awesome advice. Thanks, Thanks again. again.
1: You're welcome. I hope you enjoyed today's conversation on the Savvy Real Estate Investor Show. Make sure to hit subscribe or follow on whichever platform you are listening to this on. If you liked this episode, please write a review and share it with us. We are getting the show up and running right now, so every message, every review, and every note counts. This show exists to showcase how investors at any level can start using and leverage real estate to become savvy wealth builders. If you want to learn more about how we can potentially help you create more passive income and build your wealth faster, go to www.savvyrealestateinvestor.com. Once again, it's www.SavvyRealEstateInvestor.com. All right, that's a wrap. We can't wait to hang out with you on the next episode.